now. WrestleMania 35 season is upon us. We are in it. And this is the State of Combat podcast with Brian Campbell on CBS Sports. And you know already, it is back with a bang. Pro Wrestling Edition, in your face, dressed to the nines. And always ready to blade where and when appropriate with another red equals green dose of that one and only performance enhancing audio which voice do you hear you know it's the brian campbell without a damn doubt coming at you the name that's still on the marquee i run this show around here not you jack and back with another episode of the pro wrestling edition you simply won't want to miss why because yeah we got the week that was in wwe raw and smackdown week recaps but man things are hot fire at the moment in the midst just 12 days out, 11 days. Who's counting from WrestleMania 35? And we always like to one-up you, like NJPW, by the way, at the pay-per-views to close the show. We like to one-up you and send you home happy, and we will today with WWE superstar Charlotte Flair. By the way, in an interview recorded just a few hours before her shocking title win on Tuesday Night SmackDown, more on that later A chat you don't want to miss centered around, of course, the historic announcement that women will main event WrestleMania 35, April 7th, Sunday night, WWE Network, a little over a week from now. Fired up, guys. You're going to want to hear this chat. You're going to want to hear this show. So buckle in. And if you have not done us a solid, it would be that time right now, folks. It would be the time to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, MySpace. Hey, wherever you are listening to this show right now, whether you're raking the leaves or in the supermarket, get out there, five-star review. Tell us what you like about this show. Tell us whether you think the Silver King actually ever hedged before. I know some people are still into that. Do what you want to do. Just get out there and do it. And speaking of that, man, let me bring him in right now because I got so much to say about WrestleMania. I cannot keep it in any longer. Say hello to the bad guy. Here's a man so dedicated, he would break up his vacation before WrestleMania coming to you live and direct from the Big Apple, New York City, in South Florida's own Adam Silverstein. Hey now, I got a date with the Met and Central Park that I am putting on delay to record State of Combat with Brian Campbell. And you're mentioning the man whose name is on the marquee, BC. It's going to be on the marquee for a few more years. Why don't you tell the people about that? Oh, wow. Hey, shout out to me. Shout out to CBS Sports for putting things on paper, signing a multi-year contract extension to continue to give you guys what we do here at the State of Combat, what we do on CBS Sports HQ, covering boxing, mixed martial arts, and pro wrestling. So special thanks to all the fine listeners who have hit me up in the DMs, hit me up on Twitter, all the feel-good moments of congratulations. Very happy to be here still, to be back. I didn't sell out, guys. Remember, I bought in. <laughs> you know, see, you know, BC's name's on the marquee because he's the one who gets a multi-year contract, whereas the silver or the silver king uh, works day to day at the will of his employer. But that doesn't mean I'm any less happy to be here and, hey, you- and you know, continuing doing state of combat with you, BC. It's great. Although I will say this quote-unquote silver hedge crap. It's gone the way of New Coke and our former handsome teammate. It gone. It ain't wow. here anymore for a reason. Wow. 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 Let me tell you, let me tell you a piece of meat that I enjoyed. Wow. <laughs> wow. This guy. Adam, so did you, did you cut the clips of yourself from last week? That's what I'm curious. No, about. I fell behind on that. People are, uh-huh. there's a lot of people that are like, they need that sound bite in their life. Yeah. They want to put it inside them. 
So yeah, I, I don't mind you playing that one because I put that on myself. But you cannot hide behind your two major flubs last week. What was the second one? I don't exactly remember, but it came very closely after the first. All right. All right. It's the Shaka and Osaka, whatever. It happened. It's over. Hey, Adam, we are in the midst, like we mentioned, of, of a wild time. Mania 35. We got Charlotte today, but definitely want to remind people there's a lot going on WrestleMania weekend outside of the world of WWE and NXT. And please check out our bonus podcast from Tuesday of this week. Interviews with independent superstars, Jay Lethal, Joey Janela. Deep, in-depth preview with our cohort, Jack Crosby, breaking down all things G1 Supercard and all things Mania Weekend coming from the independence. Fun chat, fun times. Great interview with the great Jay Lethal. Please carve out some extra time for that. And just a couple hours later, BC and I confirmed we will be going to G1 Supercard. We are excited. If you are going, let us know. We'll be happy to meet you as long as you don't plan to harvest our organs. Wow. What's, what Silver King's really saying is we'd be happy to let you buy us beers, brother. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's yeah. <laughs> Although I will, yeah. I will say, you know, talk about buying beers. I did receive someone, you know, knew I was in New York. We've talked about it on the show. I received a very generous offer to go to my first game at Yankee Stadium from a listener. Uh, wow. He doesn't want his name mentioned. I won't mention it. But I'm going Sunday, and I'm very excited, and thank you very much. Wow. I love yeah. a happy ending. So do I. Will you, though? We'll find that out. That story's still <laughs> to come. Wow, that's disgusting. No, that's great to hear. I love our listeners. And by the way, we're getting closer. I haven't ironed it out. I haven't talked to Silver King fully about this, but next week, in some form, we will unveil the first ever. We're going to carve it into stone. We're going to leave it up there for as long as it lasts. The State of Combat Pro Wrestling, Mount Rushmore. Who? Which three lucky people, not men, could be women, could be anybody. Which three lucky people will join the great Tristan Adelano? And by the way, Tristan, how awesome is this guy? I think he sat about eighth row, hard cam side, right on in front of the camera at WrestleMania 34 last year in New Orleans and held up on board, brother. (laughs) As Triple H and Steph entered the ring, among other signs. Wow, that guy will be up there forever. And, uh, hey, there's going to be a couple other guys out there who are going to join this. Girls, maybe, maybe, whoever, whoever, Adam. You know, know, WWE may may be a little convoluted storytelling-wise, and it certainly has been this week. But we haven't played that sound effect in quite a while for a good reason. It hasn't been boring. It might be confusing, but there's always something to talk about and for us to get excited about. And you can argue about whether this build to WrestleMania 35, whether this road has been completely successful. But it has not been boring. It has not been boring at all. It's kind of given me those March Madness feels because I got to be there and crazy things are happening just like what's going on in the world of college basketball, Adam. And as our listeners know, when you're talking about March Madness, when you're talking about the ball going through the hoop, you're talking about CBS Sports and you're talking about that great song that we all love. How does that song go again, Adam? You want to play a little karaoke? How does that song go? In the dark, feel that. Oh, no, not that song. I'm talking about one shining moment. And here's the deal, folks. The best place to stay on top of all the NCAA tournament coverage. Hey, we're talking about Madness, the mania right here. But March Madness tournament coverage, the home for that is CBS Sports HQ. Of course, you know what I'm talking about. Our free 24-hour streaming sports network that's built for fans just like you and me. Hey. Everyone, everyone's welcome in Balor World, Balor Country, Balor Club. It's the CBS Sports Club, and you'll find all the latest tournament coverage, including tons of highlights, analysis, and stats. 
everything you need to know about what happened in the game without any of the yelling, the fake debates, and the politics that you find on other sports networks. And you hear a lot on this show from that blowhard Silver King. But if you like listening to me on this podcast, I already know you love watching me on CBS Sports HQ talking combat sports. So here's what you need to do from now on. If you're a tournament fan, and I know you are, tune in until those nets are cut down in Minneapolis for winning picks, bets, and college basketball expert analysis. It's CBS HQ, folks. It's always on. It's always free. And you can download the CBS Sports app today on your phone. Fire TV, Roku, Apple TV. Hey, again, we don't care where you consume it. Just put it in your body. You need it. That's it. It's over. That's it. Hey, Adam, I'm really excited, though, because I love our listeners. I'm really excited to reward them, make them get, put them in our will, if you will, make them members of this family. There will be prizes. You may be hearing from these people on the show sooner than later. This is an exclusive club. And I'm not talking about Gallows and Anderson joining the fake the club. I'm talking about the real club, State of Combat. Should we require some type of submission? You have AEW doing this thing for the librarian, which, by the way, we haven't discussed and I think is pretty genius. Um, but they're requiring 60-second video submissions. I don't think we need to go that far. But should we require a tweet or an email or some type of pitch? Because, look, there's only four spots and there's only three left. We have thousands of listeners, which is great. And we have dozens to hundreds. It's tough to count sometimes the people that tweet us during Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, whenever we just tweet our opinions. It's really tough to whittle those down to three without some type of effort being made. Do you agree or I no? I would have said if we started that from the beginning, but to, to kind of be honest, people have been doing that. Since we brought up this idea, my DMs are, are competition heavy. There's people coming out of the woodwork. Guys, we haven't heard from since 2017 trying to get on that damn mountain. So I think people in some ways have already done it. I think it's just up to us now to dig through there, narrow it down. I know who I want to be up there. You and I need to confirm, and we're going we're gonna to make this happen. We will. Newsflash, though, if we haven't heard from you since 2017, you ain't making the Mount Rushmore. Oh, God. So the, the, the heel is already back to ruin and crush all of your dreams. If we, haven't heard, if we haven't heard from a listener in over a year, I mean, they're not a Mount Rushmore listener. All right. Well, the good news here is that uh, wrestling's on fire, Adam. Yeah, we can nitpick and we will, and that's what we do, and that's what you have to do. But wrestling is on fire right now. I'm going to even start the proceedings with a guy that you don't like, but he just fired me up about where I'm feeling right now. Hey, Kentucky Long Rifle, it's Bob Backlund, Adam Silverstein's uh, second biggest rival on Twitter, at TalkBox. And he just says this, guys. Here's a DM for you. Wrestling is great. It's the best thing ever. That's all. That's the DM. Wrestling is amazing. Can you feel that? Can you feel all of that? All hell yeah. Somebody give me a hell yeah. Where's the button? I feel that. I felt it in my bones. Yeah. Adam, are you feeling what your rival talk box is feeling right now? Am I feeling that wrestling is great? Oh, don't, don't, yes. don't, don't dismiss yes, it. Yes, wrestling is great. If we could wake up Thomas Jordan Sutton and get that rivalry going again, right? Remember that guy on Twitter? No, I don't. I don't remember being a rivalry like that, no. All right. All right. It's just about time. You got anything else to sell, tell, share, anything? No, I, I want to get to, to the business that we've chosen. All right. Let's and see. that business, BC, is the main event. This is the main event. And since this is called the main event, and since we're talking main events, we should start with the women's triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship, and maybe more, we're not quite sure yet, main eventing WrestleMania 
35. WWE made that announcement on Monday. The three ladies, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and Raw Women's Champion Ronda Rousey went on a media tour, including ESPN. Uh, I didn't see them at CBS Sports, but that's okay. BC, we will get to what happened Monday and Tuesday night involving these three women. But I think you're aligned with me here. This isn't just the right call. It's the perfect call. This is the best build that we've had. It's the most consistent. It's the longest. And these three deserve. This isn't a gift. This is the main event match for a reason. It should be. It needs to be. And Vince McMahon made the decision that it is. I fully agree. This is something we're definitely going to get in deeper with Charlotte Flair a little bit later in the show. So stay tuned for that. But we've talked about it. This isn't just the right thing to do because of where women's wrestling is. This is actually best for business. And that's why it's awesome right now. And I applaud. And by the way, we we take our shots at WWE, rightfully so. In a lot of cases, how they handle things PR-wise, this was the right move to announce this ahead of time. It takes the pressure off of the ladies. Adds more pressure, certainly, because they're going to have to deliver now. But it takes that uneasiness pressure out of everyone, and it puts it out there. Yes, it brings in good PR, but it's the right time. It's the right announcement. Wow. To actually hear it. And it's like we all knew it, right? Yeah, there's part of us that said maybe Vince is going to pull one on us, and you'll see Seth and Brock in that last match. But no, to hear it, I I was moved. I got to admit it. And I didn't think I would be, but just to have this, like— and what got me there, and I'm going to shout out one of our friends, uh, David Shoemaker, of course, the masked man who has a great wrestling podcast on The Ringer. He did a really cool, as part of their rewatchable series, he joined Zach Linder of the Cheap Heat family and did sort of a uh, rewatchables on WrestleMania 30. And Adam, that's only five years ago. But a key part of their analysis was, you know, what stood out to you rewatching that, that, that you know, going pay-per-view rewind on that? What really stood out? And one of the things they brought up was... If we're honest, that may have been the not the last year, but right around the last time that women's wrestling was presented largely as a joke. You had the Vicky Guerrero Invitational, you know, sort of as the only match on the card. And you had the, some of the future four horsewomen helping Triple H to the ring, wearing masks as part of their eyes wide shut uh, entrance. And to just think how far we've come in that time and all the milestones in the last two years, this one trumps those milestones by miles, Adam, because this is Vince essentially handing over the keys and saying, the, my financial bottom line is in your hands, and I trust you. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. I also think, you know, we talked about them cooling off Becky Lynch, and I definitely think she got a shot in the arm this week, but the Seth Rollins-Brock Lesnar feud, which is a money feud, right? It should be. It... it didn't it doesn't feel main event level and Seth uh, sorry not Seth Kofi Kingston Daniel Bryan while it's great and you know we will pop for it it doesn't necessarily hold a candle to the mat to a match that has Ronda Rousey Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch in it as much as we love Daniel Bryan as much as we love Kofi Kingston so if you're looking at those three matches on their faces it's really a no-brainer that the build's been better it's been longer it's been more consistent despite the convoluted nature of it over the last like month or so. Uh, and these are three women that we want to see. We know what Becky and Charlotte can do one-on-one. We know what Charlotte and Ronda Rousey can do one-on-one. And we saw, we got a glimpse of the interaction between Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch. We get to see all of that come together. The back and forth of, should this have just been Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey? Oh, it's a triple threat. That's still cool. Oh, wait, maybe they will do Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. <laughs> that back and forth we went through. I'm happy it's a triple threat match. It's going to be great. They're going to prepare. It's going to look awesome. And the fact that it's closing the show 
and we will likely, not guaranteed, but likely end up with Becky Lynch in her mountaintop moment in MetLife Stadium at about midnight on Monday morning. It's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, and as we mentioned the last few weeks, this mania has more potential as things stand now on this absolutely loaded card, and you got to give it up to WWE on that. Yeah, it's going to be a 13-hour show. There's no doubt about it. It's about 46 matches on here, but... There is so much potential for organic babyface great moments. We'll get into Kofi. We'll get into a lot of that. But you just nailed it. For whatever you think about cooling down, heating up, whatever, Becky Lynch, she has that opportunity to have a real moment. And Adam, have we had a real, and I mean real, WrestleMania moment since Daniel Bryan five years ago? Like, we love Seth Rollins coming in at 31 and swinging the belt over his head. It's, it's arguably Title. the greatest cash in ever. But that's not a true, like, feel spot moment since we saw Daniel Bryan do the yes chant in front of that full dome. Well, it's not a feel spot because he's a he, he was a heel. If he was a face, it would have been. But that's a memorable WrestleMania moment. And when, when you go down the list, that is up there. No question. Better than most main events. That was, you know, one of those moments. But no, this has the potential to be that Daniel Bryan moment, the Steve Austin moment, you know, against Shawn Michaels with, with Tyson kind of turning back. Um, it, it has that opportunity, and that's why I'm so excited for it. Kofi winning would be amazing. You could convince me that that should be the main event or could be just as successful of a main event. But this is the match. And, you know, the only question in my mind is, like, what are they doing to get us there? Because we went through a couple weeks that were just, I used the word twice already in the show, completely convoluted in terms of booking. And then we get to this week. And, you know, the promos were great. I thought Ronda Rousey did a great job on Monday night. Becky was really solid. Charlotte was great. But you have to question the booking, BC, starting with Monday night and having Becky Lynch win this Beat the Clock Challenge when Ronda Rousey is famous for winning UFC matches in like 15 <laughs> seconds. So I understand Sarah Logan played like the runaway game to elongate it, and they play that into the storyline. But I would have much rather had Becky Lynch start out and set the time and Logan run away from Ronda, not allowing her to win it at the end, or Rousey winning because that's literally what she does. It seemed weird to me. Did that bother you at all as a combat sports and Ronda Rousey's, you know, pseudo-expert. I'm going to get into that in one second. One more thing. You did mention Mike Tyson, by the way, WrestleMania 14, Boston. We did get Tyson's thoughts on women main eventing WrestleMania this year. I normally don't do interviews with women unless I fornicate with them. Oh, oh God. Mike, it's 2019. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Wow. So apologies for that sound drop. Um, what what the, year is that? What, to be fair to Mike, what year is that clip from? I believe that is approximately from 2000 or 2001. Okay. So, yeah, Mike is not in a good place during those moments. So, anyway, uh, to your point, look, a lot of people hit me up in the DMs, had problems with the lameness, in general, just the lameness of a beat-the-clock challenge when we're talking about the main event of WrestleMania. Like, that's how you're going to set it up. And you just pointed out surgically and strategically an issue like, yeah, shouldn't Rousey have been the one rolling through? Here's the deal. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I'm choosing love on this because I love it. And this is what we wanted. This is what we're getting. Not perfect. No, Monday night, not perfect. But the reason why I'll forgive it and accept it is this. The announcement Monday before Raw strategically placed at the Women Will Main event. So you had to open the show with all three. So the fact that they did that, they gave you short bursts of all three in matches and short bursts of all three on the microphone. 
and then didn't need to end it with all three of them brawling, which they've done a little bit too much of lately, especially Becky and Charlotte brawling when they don't really have anything else. And here's the one thing that WWE's not doing great is I think they showed their hand a bit too early this WrestleMania season on all the major feuds and didn't know how to properly get us to the finish line. And that's why we've had these back and forth debates every other week of have they completely ruined it or do we still care? So, yeah, Ronda probably should have won, but the the truth is they'd watered down Becky enough that she needed a moment. After the announcement, they gave her that moment. I'm like, it's not a perfect moment. It's not great, but it propped her back up. She won something back. She's the only one, as we're going to talk about in a minute, coming into Mania without a title belt now. She said she's coming in with the fans, the people. Championship title. So that, but look, she won back a moment. I'm not mad at it in that regard. I want to get into the more important thing that happened here. Well, and we can. I just want to follow up. I don't think it was lame for the same reasons that you said. I just think, as with everything else they've done in this angle, they didn't book it well. Like, and, and all of a sudden, Becky, who last week was limping, is now perfectly fine and winning this thing. No limp to be seen. Just, you're right. They they knew where they were going with this angle. And there was, there was no such thing as starting it too early because it started in October. And it was meant originally for Charlotte to be in this match. When they changed to Becky, she had so much momentum behind her, they couldn't completely cool her off, but they started to in little bit by bit. But they never had anyone take advantage of that. Like Becky being hurt, ideally in theory, should have had Charlotte get over her at some point. That never happened. And that is where I want to transition into the second part that you want to talk about, which is Charlotte on Tuesday winning the SmackDown Women's Championship Beating Asuka in, by the way, a fantastic match. Like, way too good for TV match, but it was great. I don't even want to say it rivaled the WrestleMania match, but it might have. I'd have to watch both again. It was great. But now we have Asuka with no championship. <laughs> the SmackDown Women's, Women's Championship either not being defended or there's an option on the line, which I'm sure we will discuss. And we have two champions in the main event of WrestleMania with one challenger for what right now is for one championship, the Raw Women's Championship. First of all, can we just stop the presses and pour one out for Charlotte and Asuka for the physical challenges and, and danger they put themselves through on a TV match on a Tuesday night to give us a standing Spanish fly off the top Incredible. rope? Are you freaking kidding me? Wow! Wow! That was a moment! It's a Tuesday night! We got a, like pay-per-view winning match moment right there, okay? So look, there's going to be a lot of people that have a problem with this. And it's going to play into an overall talk that we're going to have, not just once on this show, but twice. It's going to be the same talk in some cases around the Kofi situation and the handling of that. Yeah, there's holes in both, okay? There's holes in the idea of Charlotte Flair winning the SmackDown title 11 days out from Mania and essentially telling Asuka, sorry, we don't need you at Mania, and essentially announcing we're only going to do one ladies singles match at this event. And there's a lot of reasons you could get mad. And it's not a singles match. But, keep going. but here's That's the thing. thing in modern day WWE in 2016, 17, 18, 19, unfortunately they just don't do what we want in the commitment to the storyline and making it immaculate like NXT NJPW, like some of these other places that we love does a better job at doing. So you almost have to just accept and swallow. Look, it's not going to be perfect. But can they do enough on the backside 
and I, you know, I'm not going, I'm not going there. I'm in the on the backside to make it where you're not going to harp on some of those plot holes and inconsistencies. And I think this week, whether it was Kofi, whether it was the Charlotte Oscar situation, they kicked us right in the field spot so hard and added the necessary intensity that you need WrestleMania season 11 days out for the big dance that it puts you in a spot where you're either going to choose love and get fired up because guess what? We're getting a women's triple threat at Mania that's going to close the show. We're getting heel Daniel Bryan against Kofi Kingston. We're getting what we would want as a fan. We're not getting like Roman against Randy Orton. And by the way, I got nothing wrong if it was Roman against Randy Orton, right? It could be, but that's sort of a typical Vince move where we would go, okay, that's great. But what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this guy? No, we're getting essentially what we would want. So I'm going to choose love in this situation. I'm not going to overlook things, but I'm going to say this. Is Asuka screwed on this? Yes. But, but, you ready for this? You all love Saved by the Bell. I love Saved by the Bell. I'm not trying to sound like that oil baron, that guy from Texas that showed up at Bayside High. He wasn't wearing a tie. He was one of the, wearing one of those weird Texas string ties. And he's like, listen, Bayside, if you want all these things, if you want a dome, if you want air conditioning, if you want all this stuff, we're going to have to dig the oil up from under the ground, and there's going to be a few ducklings that are going to get killed in the process and covered in oil, okay? It's just going to happen because that's progress. And I know the feel-good story in that episode was Zach turning back babyface and saying, no, you killed Becky, the duck. You're not going to take over my school. Pride wins. Yes, morality wins. This is the business world, folks. This is WWE. And if us, if we're going to get that triple threat and the women to matter, and we're going to get it to be the biggest match on the card, we're going to have to crack some eggs and throw some oil on some ducks, and unfortunately, Asuka got caught in the crossfire, because here's the deal. This card already has 13 matches. It's already going to take about nine hours to get through. Do you really want Asuka versus a Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose, Naomi, somebody who's really, there hasn't been a storyline, isn't up on the level of the four horsewomen or of this triple threat match, and that match would be a throwaway kickoff show card or a two-minute popcorn match in between, and it would in some ways devalue that title. I'd rather that title, that damn belt, that strap, be thrown into this women's triple threat main event and add even more prestige to it. If that's where we have to go to get this to happen, then I'm not mad at Charlotte winning it. On Tuesday night, because as Becky said, she's bringing the people. Ronda's bringing the Raw title. Now Charlotte, who, let's not forget, is also, they're going to give her as many title reigns in short bursts as they can so that she can break her dad and John Cena's record of 16 world titles. This is progress. This is what had to happen. Adam, I know you love that park down the road by your house there in Fort Lauderdale or Boynton Beach or wherever you call home. Neither of where I live. But we got to pave over that park to put up the parking garage, to put up the shopping mall. We got to do it right now. I'm sorry, Asuka. They done you wrong. They done you dirty. Vince snapped your streak last year and did nothing with it. Yes, all those things. You got screwed. Wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be the last time. We're getting women in the damn main event. This ain't vegetable lasagna. This is meat. This is noodles. This is sauce. The sauce is the boss. Adam, this is what we want. This is what we need. WWE has already established it cannot be a perfect world. They're not going to fill in all the details and all the dots. So they're going to challenge you. Do you still want to be entertained? Do you still want to pop a can of them feels and pour them all over your face, Mark of Melknesia style? Do you want to do it? Do you want to taste what we're giving you? Then you got to buy in. You got to pour the oil on the duck and you got to kill it. 
talk about getting screwed. You kind of screwed me here because I had this epic rant to go on and you just made it. Uh, you're a thousand percent correct. Two things can simultaneously be true. Asuka got screwed and this was a great booking decision. And it's tough to juxtapose those. You did a really good job of it. I'm going to add a little bit of kindling to that fire. Going into this match, Becky Lynch had wins over... Now, she did lose to Asuka. Yes, yeah, she did tap her out, get tapped out. But she had wins over Charlotte. She had the moment over Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey is the women's champion. The only one going into this match with truly zero momentum, with zero reason for actually being in the match other than Vince McMahon simply putting her in it was Charlotte Flair. They rectified that storyline hole with a solid piece of booking because not only did you have Charlotte beat Asuka, you had her take the title from Asuka. So what's happened now the last two marches and Aprils? Charlotte Flair has beaten Asuka. No one beats Asuka. So not only are you putting both titles in this women's main event, you are setting up the ultimate Asuka babyface moment, whether it's next year, whether it's the year after that, at some point, whether it's at a SummerSlam, where Asuka finally gets her win over the one woman who clearly has her number. That is putting out there that we're expecting WWE to pay off some long-term, long-term storytelling, okay? <laughs> well, they kind of just did with Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton about nine years later. Maybe we'll eventually get that with Asuka and Charlotte Flair. As far as Asuka, she got screwed. It's clear that this was a last-minute decision by WWE because just as of last week, they were building that – and they just didn't even mention it this week. The uh, Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose, I forgot who else was in it, like a fatal four-way match to determine Asuka's number one contender. They had the whole storyline of Mandy Rose accidentally screwing Sonya, Sonya accidentally screwing Mandy Rose, them kind of giving each other the side eye. They were clearly building to a triple threat. Now that match is not happening. And Asuka, I'm sorry, I guess you're in the Women's Royal Rumble, or sorry, Women's Battle Royal, and I suppose they'll let her win it, right? But the question is, the bigger question out of all of this, what is going to happen in this main event match? Is it going to be a title versus title versus man match? Are they going to unify, is the winner going to unify the titles? Is WWE possibly going to put the women's tag team titles on one brand and the women's championship on the other brand? Because I think what they've told us, and we've been complaining about it for a while, is they don't truly have a strong enough women's division to have four contenders on each brand for the main women's championship, meaning a SmackDown and a, and a Raw, and then have enough tag teams for the tag team titles. They can bring up Baszler. They can bring up Kairi Sane. They can bring up Io Shirai. But even if they did all of that, the numbers still aren't really there because people like Nia Jax have been ruined. Alexa Bliss got such a long run as champion on both brands, but never really panned out. She got good fan reaction, but she wasn't a great wrestler. If they're going to go in a serious direction, they need quality wrestlers. And right now, when you combine the two shows, you don't really have it. If you have both titles allowed to go back and forth between brands, or just like the Universal and the WWE Championship, you cement one on one and the other on the other, and maybe during the shakeup, they can switch. I think they might be in a stronger position. So that's what I'm posing to you, BC. This is a last minute change. I'm not going to allow you to say otherwise. But did they do it because they're going to combine these titles? 
Neither is your WrestleMania future, but that topic is over. Interesting question. I like the fact that we don't know. I like the fact that this match now has the two most important belts in women's wrestling in it. Tyler's belts. And I like that they have the option spinning off of having the winner hold up both championships if they want to, if they want to add that stipulation. Or just saying, whoever you pin, you get your choice of the title. Or just saying, whoever you pin, you get their title. Or doing the Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton thing of having them hold up the two title belts, but then the next week when they shake it up in the roster, then they open up a tournament or whatever. They can go in any direction they want, and I'm down with it. I'm down with adding more prestige to this match to make it feel extra, extra, extra historic. Because guess what? They put the right people in it. And we don't know if this is ever going to happen again in the near future. Think about it. We actually don't know. We're going to see more women main event uh, pay-per-views. And we did. You know, we saw Evolution. We saw 2016 Hell in a Cell, Charlotte and Sasha. But that's still kind of few and far between. And I think main eventing WrestleMania will be few and far between for women. Because there's just not going to be consistently these type of hot fire storylines. So it makes sense. I don't know where they're going to go with those titles. I don't know exactly where they should go with those titles. I'm interested to find out. But one thing has been thrown into my mind about why they may have done this that has got me fired up, intrigued, and impressed with WWE's potential storyline. I didn't drop this thought in my own mind. I'll give credit to our cohort, Jack Crosby, who you heard on this week's show, who dropped it into me last night on Slack and said, I think this is where they're going. And then I'll give credit to multiple DM sliders for having the same idea. Let's hear from one of them real quick. Australia's own Mick Johnston, at Mick underscore Johnston. You know that 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 broham, that Aussie. You know, he's just a good dude, long timer, maybe a Rushmore contender. He says, first up. Not much tops a random Wednesday, Australian time, where you get a bonus state of combat drop and you see that BC has re-signed with CBS Sports. He says, cue up the siren and motorcycle, Rev, brother. Fire the heck up. Hey, Mick, thanks for shouting me out there. I like that. Back to your DM. He says, question. Was Charlotte taking the title? A case of WWE not really having anything for Asuka and a chance to add more gravitas to the women's WrestleMania main event? Or is this the departure of Ronda Rousey overhyped and the road to the four horsewomen versus four horsewomen match setting up to begin at the end of WrestleMania 35 this year? Mick asks us, can you not picture the closing image of Mania being the newly crowned Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch with arms raised, Next to the women's tag champs, Sasha and Bailey. Next to your new SmackDown women's champion, Charlotte Flair. Now, essentially, he's saying all four of the original four horsewomen, all of them standing up there with their own individual title. Mick continues, would need some great storytelling in the main event to bridge Becky and Charlotte, but they could get there. Launches into the continuation of a storyline through SummerSlam. While I'm booking the damn territory, he says... Does the recent trend of Alexa Bliss flirting with her male guests not create the perfect platform for a debuting Buddy Murphy? Picture it. Miss Bliss could legitimately say, From the moment we saw him, we thought, sex. He says, this DM is now longer than a BC intro, but would love your take on any or all of the above. Adam, you may have had the same thought, but I didn't. Are we setting up four horsewomen versus four horsewomen at SummerSlam come April 7th on Sunday night? 
So the thought of doing that did not come after Charlotte won the SmackDown Women's title on Tuesday. It came a couple months ago when it looked like it was going to be Becky versus Ronda Rousey. And then the thought was, do you then have Asuka take the title in and have Charlotte beat Asuka again at WrestleMania and then go that way? That way they could both be faces and they could celebrate together. So that's what I thought. When that cross and that went away and they added this title to this match it doesn't make sense to me that it's a raw women's championship match and the other person in it doesn't have to put her title on the line and if both titles are going to be on the line i don't like the idea of well if ronda and charlotte pin each other they win both but if becky pins one she only wins one i don't love that it's more confusing than it needs to be It should be that it's an undisputed championship at that point, or it's going to be not undisputed, but unified. I'm sorry. But that's a good point that he uh, he and apparently Jack, I wasn't on live last night. I wasn't talking to you guys. It's an interesting point that that they made. I don't, though, think it's difficult to get Charlotte back into the fold because what happens is Becky wins the title. Charlotte's in the corner crying, upset, dejected, angry. Uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks come into the ring. Those three are celebrating and they convince, you know, with arms. You know, you can, they make the motion, come here, come join us. Charlotte joins them. They all raise each other's arms. And then, yes, but you see, Shayna Baszler's music hits. <laughs> and the place absolutely explodes, right? Well, it doesn't it explode, a, or do they go, who? No, because it's no, because it's WrestleMania weekend. And there's enough NXT fans there, just like when AJ Styles debuted at the Royal Rumble. There's enough indie and smart fans there where, yes, it explodes. Don't forget, the reason we got the the Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar booze last year. It wasn't because the Roman Reigns fans didn't want the match. It was because the Smarks overtook the New Orleans crowd. And that's what happens. And that's what will happen in New York as well. So I think that is how it could work. And look, I would be lying if I didn't say that would be genius booking. But we're talking about the convoluted nature of this entire storyline build. Do you really trust WWE to go and do that? Well, I love the idea of the four of them standing together with titles because in real life, it's because of them in NXT changing the culture of women's wrestling around the world, but more specifically in gorilla position, in Vince's office, in Hunter's office, not at the PC, that something like this could happen. So having those four in there would be great. I still have concerns whether Rousey's three sidekicks can get up to a certain level in time to make like a SummerSlam angle or Survivor Series or whatever feel like it makes sense because there's too much star power on the NXT women's side, right? The original four. So there's way too much star power, but I like that. I like this idea a lot. In fact, and Rousey probably is and probably should go away for certain periods over the next five, six months, whether it's completely to try to start a family or just taking a break or whatever. But I do think we see her back in some forms. I do like where this is going. And again, I don't care if the winner is undisputed or not or whatever. They got me. I'm ready. I'm ready to drink from the cup. And by the way, there's a there's a big misnomer out there. And I blame Dave Meltzer, not because he reported anything wrong, but he just stated it poorly when he initially reported it or, or when he initially mentioned it. He mentioned that Ronda Rousey would be leaving WWE after WrestleMania. Well, that may be true, but the word leaving makes the, you know, it gives the connotation of not coming back. She has a three-year contract with WWE. She may take a break. She may depart the company for a period of time like Dolph Ziggler is right now who is working apparently on a handshake deal. But that doesn't mean she would leave the company and never come back, which is what the word leaving connotates, right? So 
everyone that's so concerned about like Rousey disappearing after this, you shouldn't be for two reasons. One, something like what you're suggesting and, and what this four horsewomen angle needs to and will happen at some point. It looked like it was going to happen months ago and they kind of pulled the plug on it. And it could happen immediately. And if it doesn't happen immediately and she wants to go with Travis Brown, go off somewhere in their weird world and, and try to have a kid, then 12 to 15 months later, she could very well be back doing that angle or just randomly showing up on, a, on an open challenge on a Raw and whoever the Raw Women's Champion is at that point, take the title from them. So I don't think she's going anywhere. Um, I think obviously Becky and Charlotte, they know that that's the bread and butter of the women's division right now, both for prestige from Charlotte's side and fan love from Becky's side. And the other two in this equation are Sasha Banks and Bayley, who, despite being the women's tag team champions, I think you'll agree with me, have both been relatively marginalized yes. in this entire thing. And that kind of leads me to and, – and we we have the interview with Charlotte Flair coming up, and we're going to talk, talk to her in a moment. But before we get to it, because it's not in the rest of the show, this women's fatal four-way now tag team title match uh, ta you know, at, at WrestleMania, which to me is just a, a huge repeat of Elimination Chamber, and it's relatively boring – do you feel this is doing them a huge disservice? And do you really expect any other outcome than the Boston Hug Connection winning? No, they have to have the championships, especially championships, especially as we just laid out the potential for them to show up at the main event with them. Um, yeah, it's it's just getting women on the show in reality, and it has marginalized them. And I think in this whole process, and it didn't really hit me until I was interviewing Charlotte in said interview that we keep teasing and that we will throw to, that it hit me like, hey, Sasha's played as big of a role in getting the four horsewomen from NXT into changing the wrestling culture and getting to this women's main event historic than anybody else as big or more than Becky because more. easily more because easily that more. Sasha Charlotte feud from 2016, I think was the most important turning point of all of this. Like there was, there's a lot of moments, right? There's a lot of moments where you woke up and realized, but that was a monster three, four, five month stretch where they were the hottest thing going in WWE. And you're like, Oh my God, this is really happening. So I feel really bad that Sasha. And I, like I said, hopefully she has a role in this main event, even if it's just in a friend zone. Yeah. She should be a part of this. It is tough to see that overall. And, and that's even by just you saying that. And I know this wasn't your intention that also discounts Bailey, because let's not forget the hottest women's feud in NXT was Sasha Banks and Bayley. And Bayley winning was the mountaintop moment for the women in NXT. That cemented well, that women's title on par with the men's NXT title. Let me pause you there and say a couple of things. One, Bayley's the Ringo star of those Beatles, and you can't deny that. Number two, Bayley and Sasha had incredible takeover matches, but I would not categorize that as the hottest feud. I don't. I was never overly into the storyline. I thought Sasha and Becky... Sasha and Charlotte in NXT did much better storyline feuds story-wise to get you into it. I'm not going to discount how great Bailey was in the ring at NXT and helped get them to this point. I'm not going to rip her, but you have to agree on the main roster. While she hasn't completely fallen out of that group, she's not Pete Best, but she's surely Ringo Starr well, in these Beatles. Come on. Yeah, but Ringo's still a Beatle, number one. And number two, yes, she is in that fourth spot of the four horsewomen, but they also completely bungled her push. She had one push. They were giving her the moment. And instead of giving her a big win at a major pay-per-view, they just gave her a win over, I think it was Charlotte, and gave her her first pay-per-view loss at like a throwaway show that didn't mean anything. Then she had the title. No one cared. And then she lost it. So it they just ruined her. 
yet the fans still pop massively fans for her. Fans love her, yeah. Especially when you're in smart cities. But Sasha Banks is the one of the, the main three of the four horsewomen who, in my opinion, and I think everyone's opinion probably, this isn't an unpopular one, has not gotten her just due on the main roster. Yes, she's been champion. She's never had a successful singles women's title defense. Ever. Okay? That's pathetic. She's had reigns of like six or eight days with the title. That's pathetic. It's good that she's the first women's tag team champions with Bailey. I, I am going to expect them to retain the titles and kind of move forward and eventually lose them to a really good team two on two. But once that happens, she needs to be a heel challenger for Becky Lynch because that is where she's best at. They refuse to put her in that role and she will succeed massively. And Asuka Unless they're going to give her this huge babyface moment at WrestleMania 36, which is possible, they need to turn her heel as well because suited Asuka, angry Asuka, take no prisoners Asuka is the best version. They have a lot of women's talent in this company. They need to stop trying to push Nia Jax on us and stop trying to push Carmella on us, who they have stopped. And by the way, I love Carmella and she's getting better week by week and month by month. But they have to focus on the five women they have plus Ronda Rousey, make it six, that can main event any pay-per-view in any combination and actually tear the house down from a wrestling and storytelling perspective. Just to finish our overall uh, Beatles analogy here, just so you know, because I know you're thinking about it, Charlotte Flair is Paul McCartney, and that's inarguable. But here's the the key. Sasha Banks is actually John Lennon. And I know people are going to say, that makes Becky Lynch George Harrison, even though Becky's hot right now. Becky, in reality, is the George Harrison of that group. So my question is to you. Who's Yoko Ono? Is it Triple H or is it Asuka? Andrade. Wow. Wow. We just might get into that shortly. All right. Can we, can we move on in this main event? Can we, can we? Can we get going here? Yeah. Why don't we talk to her? Or why don't you talk to her? Oh, wow. Let's let's skip right ahead right now. Let's throw to the, the queen herself, Charlotte Flair, coming at you. You're going to like this. Get ready. Buckle up. Enjoy. The queen of pro wrestling, Charlotte Flair, stepping back on the CBS Sports Podcast. And Charlotte, I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? The main event of WrestleMania 35, (laughs) April 7th, MetLife Stadium, New Jersey. I mean, you can retire now, right? I know. (laughs) No, absolutely not. This might be the pinnacle of the women's evolution, but uh, I still want to move that goalpost. So, no, but it's. If you could see my smile right now, um, I'm beaming. It's just, I'm trying, I, I want to tell you it's hit me, but it hasn't. Uh, but man, we are the main event. Uh, I mean, come on, let sound off the alarms. You, of course, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship. But I've been interviewing you for years, and this is always a topic of conversation. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask the newly minted Hall of Famers. Where and when? How did you find out? What was that initial reaction when it became real? Oh, uh, Vince told us all three personally and just how proud he was. And congratulations, and that we earned it. And coming from the boss, uh, it just, it meant so much. I mean, he is trusting us with his biggest show of the year. And that's what, that he believes in us is what means so much. That's that's a great moment. Because when Vince calls you, Charlotte, you don't know if it's going to be good or bad. (laughs) I know. No, 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 no. Uh, 
So. I, I, I didn't know if we were going to be the main event. Um, I mean, I had hoped and I, I, you still just, I still didn't know. I'm like, okay, if we're going to main, if we're going to be the main event, why hasn't it been announced? I mean, there's like other matches that are being announced as a main event. So are we, or are we not? So, uh, I was, I was still a little surprised when I got the call. What has been the reaction, if any, thus far from the guys who could have or would have or have been in this spot? The Roman Reigns is the Brock Lesnar's the guys who if this backstage competition is real, because I think it's it's the same competition everybody has in their workplace to get to the top. What's the reaction of them for you guys getting this moment that that you've yet you've earned and deserved? I'm I mean, I'm sure they want the moment, but they're proud of us. They're supportive. Uh, anytime we've done well on a pay-per-view like TLC or my match at Survivor Series, uh, even Evolution, my last woman standing match with uh, Becky, I've, they've been supportive this whole way. And they see how hard we work. Um, we're given the same opportunities to, you know, tell a story. And right now, our story is what should be the main event. And they're proud of us. I think for any fan, Charlotte, especially because of the way we used to digest women's wrestling and and have an understanding for what it was and what it meant to the card and, and the, the sport in general, if you will. I think everyone has these moments where they change. Some of us, it was the first time we saw the matches you guys put out as the four horsewomen of NXT. But there's levels to that even. First time I saw that Fatal 4-Way match, I was like, Wow! But I think for me, I even hit a new level this past December when I'm researching and going over what's our match of the year at CBS for 2018 in wrestling. And when I'm looking over, not just WWE, I'm looking over Japan, I'm looking everywhere. I had like four different Charlotte Flair matches in my top 10. And I'm like, this isn't best women's match. This is best damn match of the year. And I think me, who already loved and respected women's wrestling at that moment, got to a point where it's like, this wouldn't be just a good story if you guys became the main event at WrestleMania. It actually needs to happen. That's a change that I think is the most organic and amazing one when you really look at it. Well, I think the key is, and this has always been my thing, is when I'm out there performing, I want the viewer to get lost in the fact that I'm a woman. That I'm just as good as a guy. So when you're saying women's wrestling, it's like, no, these matches... It's, it's, it's just wrestling. It's just sports entertainment. I mean, with the caliber of talent we have and the storytelling and the ability and the amount of time and the same opportunities with ladder matches, with Royal Rumbles, with Elimination Chamber, it, it's just, no, it's just sports entertainment. You're not going, God, that's just a good women's match. You're like, no, that's just a good match. And for me, every time I step out uh, of Gorilla. And I make my entrance, I go, you know what? I'm going to have the best match on the show because I'm that good. That's what I think to myself. It's like, no, that I, I want to be the best talent in terms of in, in the ring. So it's, it's just about getting, watch, having the audience watch and just get lost in the match and not going, ah, oh, it's just a good women's match. No, it's just a good match, period. 
Yeah, I can see that. And in in what you're putting together with the, the storytelling, the athleticism, but I think it's the intensity for me, the intensity that the three of you had had have had in the build to this, <laughs> the different incarnations, the backstage stuff. I mean, it's off the charts. That's what we live for as fans. So I got to put the spotlight yeah. and the pressure on you now, now, Charlotte. Hear me out here. How much pressure do you now feel that you've gotten to this point, not just to have a great match on April 7th, not just to have a WrestleMania level, and believe me, you had one with Asuka last year that stole my heart, but to have an all-time justifiable WrestleMania historic main event match. I'm not trying to make you nervous, but what are you feeling right now when it's time to actually make no. this match happen? No, you're not making me nervous. I mean, obviously, I'll be so nervous. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm nervous. Now. I mean, I don't know. I for me, I have to go. I know that when I'm under immense pressure and the bright lights are on and I'm on the biggest stage, that's when I do my best work. And I feel like after Survivor Series uh, versus Ronda, I found a whole another gear change in me, and that hasn't stopped and I'm looking to take my performance to a whole new level April 7th at MetLife. Um, and that's what I will prepare mentally and emotionally leading up to that. That's what you have to do. Cause when you're out there, it's just, you have to find those emotions somewhere and uh, the pressure's on. And I think the most important thing for us to do is put an exclamation point on that main event and yeah. prove to everyone that we are where we're supposed to be. That's a great challenge to have, to undertake, to, to, to take collectively as a trio. But you mentioned something in there about finding a new level. Because I think you've done the best work of your entire career. And believe me, I respect the damn hell out of what you and Sasha did in 2016. <laughs> One of my favorite feuds ever. But I think you've done the best work maybe in the last six months of your career. And I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, we're going outside of the of scripted here. We're going real here. I think the moment Becky blew up and was doing this women's version of Steve Austin, and, it, and it's amazing and I love it, I noticed you suddenly. I don't know if it's your way of saying everyone's talking about Ronda and Becky. Don't forget, guys. I'm still genetically superior. I'm still a flair. I think you did the best work I've ever seen since then. Did those two things happening simultaneously, them blowing up, just inspire you to go to an all-new level? Well, I think what was hard for me is during the Becky feud, I cared so much what everyone thought. Like, here I am supposed to be the good guy, but I'm getting booed. And the story, if you really, okay, if you, if you take, if you know my past, if you know Charlotte's past, you know Becky's past, and leave titles and opportunities and everything in the past, if you just look at the friendship story, right? I was still supposed to be the good guy. So instead of staying true to what my character was or who, who she is, you know, genetically superior, I am a flair and the arrogance and the confidence. I felt like I lost that. Because I was so worried about, well, no, I can't say this because I look, I look arrogant or I look cocky or I look confident. That will make people not like me more. So that like really got to me. And then once it was over and I got the Survivor Series, I had just, I said to myself, you know what? 
I can no longer apologize for being that good because I am. And it was one of those moments. It was like, no, go back to who you are and who you're, what your character is supposed to be and don't care about the rest. It was almost like I felt like I was re-debuting. Uh, when I debuted as a baby face, it quickly turned back to bad, but it, it, it was just a matter of going like, no, like I'm Charlotte Flair. I'm the seven time women's champion. I'm not, I'm, I'm not an afterthought. And it, I just went back to who I, what I was meant to be all along. And that's the chosen one. I love that story. I love how real that story is because as a overworked fan, podcaster journalist who's like way too deep into this because I watch every second that goes out there it was like for the last year we're like okay if the women are going to historically take over the main event it's going to be Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey then Becky blows up and we're like you know what Becky and Rousey might actually be the one but then you blew up to such a level that we're suddenly going wait this has to be a triple threat and that was long before the storyline seemed to show you that it was probably going to be a triple threat so I give you that applause Charlotte you stepped it back up, Thank and you. you might be doing the best work of the three of them, and that's saying a lot right now. No one's taking my spot, friend. Wow. <laughs> wow. Fired up for that. Wow. All right. Were you a big fan of Ronda Rousey, the fighter, during her UFC run? I'm always curious about that. I I just look at Ronda, and I just go, had there not been a Ronda, I mean, I know the world is changing or has changed, for women overall, but Rhonda played a huge part in that. I mean, she is a household name and she's always been true to her message. And then for me, when she, when she signed with WWE, you know, no, no one could say whether she was going to pick this up quickly or not, because just because you're a great athlete doesn't mean you're going to be a great storyteller. Um, and she, I believe really legitimized the women's division to an audience that might not be familiar with sports entertainment. And that's really what she brought to the table. I like that. There's some stiff work going on, Charlotte. Am I picking up on this correctly? There's some stiff ass work happening here. <laughs> no, that's not, no, I'm, I'm being, I'm being serious. Like I, before survivor series, you know, I had pictured facing her at mania and I just, I wanted to test my skill against her. Like that's how much I looked up to her. And I still do for what she's done for, um, the for women's sports around the world, I have that much respect for her. But don't, I mean, don't get me wrong; it's my ring. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, couple quick ones on the way out here. Uh, your dad obviously famously wrestled deep into his fifties, and and was really a better wrestler in his fifties than some people have ever been. So. You're 32. You're at the pinnacle of your career. You're entering the biggest match ever. Do you ever think about an end date? Do you ever think about maybe I have the type of body, the type of mindset that I can go into my 50s and, and just change the game the way my dad did? Well, oh, man. I mean, I want a family one day and kids. But with seeing Bree and Maurice come back and Beth Phoenix and seeing them, ha or even Michelle McCool, seeing the women who've had families and come back and have those amazing moments I go who knows when the end date is for me but I do know how much I love this business and it's my passion that even if I'm not on camera I'll be behind the scenes whether it's producing or coaching at the performance center with the future talent um 
I'll always be uh, a part of it. I can respect that. Now to close here, uh, I think we know why this happened, but I think you were having fun with it. You almost broke the internet. You post a picture wearing a Los Ego Nerobles, and I always mispronounce it, and I probably just <laughs> did hat, but we were fired up on this side of the line. Uh, you having fun doing stuff like that? <laughs> oh, come on. Uh... <laughs> no comment, and we roll on there. Yes. Oh, I'm blushing so much right now. I we we enjoyed it. We, we know maybe it... maybe at the Hall of Fame, everyone will get a picture. Okay. I don't know. Okay, I'll I take that. Know. I'll take that, Charlotte Flair. Can't <laughs> That's wait to. All I'm can't wait to see, of course, WrestleMania 35. That's Sunday, April 7th, 7 p.m. Eastern, WrestleMania Network. Stay for the, all the fireworks because this lady's going on last against Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey at Charlotte Flair. Charlotte, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to talk to you, and congratulations on an incredible, historic opportunity this is. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy WrestleMania. All right. Special thanks to Charlotte Flair. Here's the deal, Adam. She's the most real interview in WWE. She she doesn't go to the canned, ready, corporate responses. You can make her be real. And when you do, she gives you gold. That's, you know, that's a really good point. I think every time that we've spoken to her on this podcast, we have received at least one moment of really true emotion. Once she cried, another time she got choked up. And this time she was clearly blushing and embarrassed. <laughs> Um, now the question is, do, what do we do next? Like, do we try to get her angry at us? I don't know. But, but yes, you're right. She really speaks from the heart. She cares about the business. Um, she cares about her friends and she cares about making a difference for women in WWE. And it comes from the Ric Flair background of the wrestling business really matters. And, you know, his life was built around Ric Flair being real, even though Richard Flair is the real man. And I think Charlotte is doing a very good job of the business meaning something. And, and every time she gets the opportunity to promote it, showing that the business really means something. And if anyone is lost on the whole idea of this inside joke and her posting that picture wearing the Los Igno Barables hat, it's what, obviously – What's the what's your difficulty with this word? I, I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm, Nick, Nick Costos used to be able to nail that. I can't hit it. In Gobranables. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Okay. So uh, uh, what else do I got going on? I, I say Aussie wrong. I say uh, Jaguars. I got Igno Barables. So here's the deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, the rumors that she's dating Andrade and her mentioning we may see at the Hall of Fame has to mean her walking arm in arm with that handsome chap. We'll see what happens. BC will be the first to report it there. No, just kidding. All right, here's the deal on Charlotte. I love that moment. But what I love the most was her, I think, being real and saying, yes, she watched Ronda and a suddenly Steve Austin, Becky Lynch getting all the attention, and she did raise her game in real life to the best it ever was. And I love her description of that, giving herself permission to essentially outshine people that were getting better pushes at the moment. And to WWE's credit, whether they had triple threat plans the whole time or not, or whether they were more in line which where we were, where we at one point, when Becky put Ronda on the armbar in the locker room and got all bloody, we were like, sorry, Charlotte, you're out. The money match is Rousey Lynch. I kind of feel like Charlotte forced their hand. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get caught in the Mark Kayfabe zone here. I'll get worked if I have to. I believe what Charlotte said is real. Well, she played her way back in, into our, into our hearts. Because you and I, this is the conversation we've had. I mentioned it earlier in the show. You, we've gone through this process, ups and downs, of it should only be you know Becky versus Ronda. Oh, wow, Charlotte needs to be in this match. and eh, she really doesn't. And she has now inserted herself. In, in storyline, she just got inserted by Vince McMahon. But in our real lives of what match do we want to see, the work that she's done has legitimately inserted herself into needing to be in this match. Becky's the most over. Ronda has been great and probably has the highest ceiling. Her promo work, obviously, for a two-month period was horrible. I thought she rectif- she's rectified that the last couple of weeks. And I thought Monday was maybe her best effort altogether. And, but, but the truth is, Charlotte Flair has been the MVP of this feud. She's been great, been great on the mic, and she's been fantastic in the ring. And she even carried Becky Lynch in that match where Lynch was injured and basically Charlotte needed in kayfabe to do all the work. So she deserves everything that's coming to her. The only thing she really shouldn't get is the win here. And she also shouldn't take the loss either. Because, I mean, we'll talk about it next week when we do our WrestleMania preview. But the only way this match should end is with Becky Lynch either pinning or submitting Ronda Rousey. And that's what you are, Sasha. You're just a one-night stand. Oh, how dare you. How dare you. I'm going to make a statement here about Charlotte. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think it's time. I think it's time. I think it's time we have this talk, all right? I didn't think I was going to say this right now. I didn't prepare this. Talking to Charlotte, really, talking to Ashley Flair, really brought it full circle. Charlotte Flair is the greatest women's wrestler of all time right now, already. And she has a chance, and I'm not going to go too crazy. Maybe some people think that's crazy. Maybe some people say, BC, that's already true. So you're not breaking anything here. She has a chance by the end. I'm not going to say to crack the top three or five, but she has a chance as a woman to go really far in the all-time great wrestler rankings of men and women combined to go really damn far. It's really tough because when you get into greatest women's wrestler, you're going to hear from a lot of people who you don't know about these Japanese women that have been doing great things and they're incredible. Fair. Totally true. Um, But in terms of American wrestlers or North American or English speaking female wrestlers. I do think that the last six months has catapulted her into that spot. And that doesn't mean she's had the most storied career. And it doesn't mean she's had the biggest moments yet, but she's about to main event WrestleMania as an eight time women's champion at the age of, I forgot what she said, 31, 33. She has most likely, unless she takes a break for a kid before she's 40, another seven years of active, constant competition. She's going to get to the 16 titles. Maybe she's going to get to 17 and actually break Ric Flair's record. So when you include those accolades, the matches that are possible, the talent she's going to have the opportunity to work with coming out of NXT, that's not even in NXT yet that they've yet to sign, right? There's an opportunity for her to put together a hit list that is unlike any other woman ever. And you can make an argument she's almost there already. Wow. And it's it's crazy because when I asked her that question about how long she thinks she wants to go, if she's got genetics like Rick, where you can miraculously stay injury free and take the pounding and take the grinding. And even if she does go away and have children and that's perfectly awesome, I just feel like it's in her blood that she's going to be a lifer like her dad. 
and I feel like she could keep this going. She's got the size and, and the, the, uh, she could keep this going for a long ass time. Like she could be, she, it's amazing. She went from somebody who never thought she would be a wrestler, right? Who we know the backstory, fell into it, took a chance, brother died. It, it sparked her interest of going for it in his honor. And in a miraculously short time, she got me to say that she might already be the goat. And now I, I don't see when this is going to end. I do see her having a, so Ric Flair has had like four stages of his career, right? I see her having, getting to the third stage of GM, part of a faction like an evolution, you know, um, doing things along those lines where she's not constantly wrestling, but she's on TV all the time and or helping behind the scenes as a producer and doing stuff like that. I don't see her going into this May Young, Fabulous Moolah type of thing where she goes away for a long period of time and then comes back, you know, and does it that way. So I think the, I mean, look, people have children in various different ways and times and we're not counting her, her time or anything like that. But generally speaking, you're with a partner and you decide to have a child in, in her situation that's not necessarily part one hasn't been achieved. Um, so who knows when that will come in her life and how that will determine the course of her career. That's a different thing with men. You know, Daniel Bryan had, had Brie pregnant and he wrestled while she was pregnant. And then they had the, or I may have the time off, but he was not able to compete, but he would have been competing while she was pregnant if, if that wasn't the case. And then she had the kid and he would have been home maybe for a month. And then he would have gone back to wrestling. Women biologically can't do that the same way. Um, so it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how her life choices affect her wrestling career. You know, whereas her father didn't have to worry about those things. All right. To close on this whole topic of the women, um, if Charlotte or Rhonda has a baby over the next year, obviously Stephanie McMahon will send a gift, right? Will she actually buy the gift and take time to go to the store herself and make sure the gift is in line with the relationship and the personality of Rhonda or Charlotte? Or does she just make a call and somebody goes and pick something out for her? So I forgot who it was. There's a story out there of Stephanie McMahon sending a gift basket to someone for having a child. I think it was on Total Bellas and it was Brie Bella. Wow. I, I, this is, I'm not teasing that. I have no I idea. Think, I, don't want I, I don't want to get this wrong. And it was a wrestling-themed, really cool WWE stuff with some other baby items. And it seems to me like WWE corporately has a gift bag, a box bag, basket that is sent when people get married, when people have children, when there's a special anniversary, so on and so forth. So I don't think Steph is going to the store and, and picking up items. Perhaps there's a curation where she tells her assistant, these are the items we used, we love them, go buy them all and send them. I think that would be more likely. But I think it was Total Bella's, and I'm almost positive it was Brie Bella. Uh, I mean, she's the only one that ha has a child on that show. Um, and Stephanie and Triple H sent a big basket of gifts once birdie was born wow very Derek jeter like to supply future women's champion birdie brian no all right hey are you down uh, well i don't know if you can answer this you're not a parent yet but are you down with miz giving his child monroe sky like instagram and twitter accounts and putting on reality tv this early and basically setting uh, up for potential todd bridges like uh child <laughs> failure so so i think there are things you can do when you have children and i'm, I'm single not married no children so yeah, i'm this is coming from this point of view. Uh, I think you set up a Gmail account. I think you reserve 
if you want to have them on Facebook or Twitter eventually, you reserve Instagram names, you 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 lock all that up. But no, I don't think you post things um, of them on their own account that when they turn 16 and they're like, and who knows what social media will be available when they're you know 16 years from now. But when they're 16, they're like, what the hell did you do when I was a child? And I think when you have a reality show, it's even more difficult. I think it's different having the baby on the show when it's a baby. But if like that kid's four and it doesn't want to be on reality TV or maybe it doesn't, it doesn't even have the concept of what reality TV is. Maybe you kind of shield it from those things. Wow. But again, I'm not in that position, and I'm kind of speaking out of my ass here. So. I love the, the show gives you everything. It gives you parenting advice from the Silver King. All right, we got a roller. This will be a three-hour show. We got enough wrestling episodes over the next two weeks. What do we got next here in the main event? Well, next, BC, before we move on to the main event, we have to hear from our friends and sponsors. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, BC, we're back, and we did talk women's wrestling and that triple threat at WrestleMania for quite a while, but there's a lot more that happened this week, and we'll actually go next to SmackDown, where Kofi Kingston secured a moment or an appearance at WrestleMania 35 in what we think will be a WWE championship shot against Daniel Bryan following a tag team gauntlet match that New Day, his brothers, uh, Kofi, I mean, I'm sorry, Xavier Woods and Big E absolutely tore through i found the end of the show interesting we're going to get to the gauntlet where they walk up to vince mcmahon backstage as he's entering his limo is it true now that kofi kingston will have a wrestlemania opportunity and vince says yes kofi kingston will have a wrestlemania opportunity we'll see if a b plus player can beat daniel bryan for the wwe title he didn't say that that WrestleMania opportunity would be Kofi Kingston fighting Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. I haven't looked. I know there was a leaked graphic from WWE on a sponsored post on Instagram. I don't know if their Twitter account officially announced this match yet. It makes me very curious if there's an additional storyline next week where Vince tries to pull another fast one or if this is what's happening. But let me know what you think about that, BC, the match that happened on the show, and this entire storyline as it has either reached its climax or is about to seven days from now. So 12 hours ago, from the time we're recording this, so this would be about uh, 11.45 Eastern p.m. last night after SmackDown, the WWE WrestleMania Twitter account, retweeted by the at WWE account, did put out, quote, it's really happening, 
True Kofi will challenge WWE Daniel Bryan for the WWE title at WrestleMania, along with the Snickers presented graphic of the two of them. So okay. I had a lot of people DMing me with that same thing of, is Vince going to screw him? Is this going to happen? It's happening now. Okay. It's okay. Happening. Well, well, to be fair to me, everything's been so convoluted with their storytelling that I could have seen them stretching it one more week and not announcing until like five days out from the big show. So I take that back. Okay. But at least you saw where my head was at at the end of Tuesday Night Smackdown, which I just finished like an hour before we started recording. So, okay, that's great. BC, are you excited now? Let me change the question. Are you excited for the Kofi Kingston-Daniel Bryan match? And what did you think of the booking on Tuesday night to get us there? Oh, man, I'm fired up for this. Look, I was surprised how many people DM me and tweeted at me, hate. And maybe it's because I did not like last week when they went back to the well again to the gauntlet idea. And I don't think they furthered the storyline and I don't think they did much to get me fired up. In fact, congratulations. I thought they played themselves. So what's changed a week later? The juice, people. The needle. They stuck it in our veins. They stumped a mud hole in our field spot and twisted their foot around. Sometimes, and it's the same argument i laid out ahead of the women's thing and i said it's the same argument for kofi and it's true wwe is not going to connect all the dots perfectly they will sometimes fall on lazy tropes but it's wrestlemania season and if they give us the damn feels like they gave us tuesday night at the mohegan sun arena in uncasville connecticut which not looking back maybe i should have gone it's only about an hour plus from my house maybe i should have been there yeah you should have been there uh then it doesn't matter and you have to accept and love it was it another damn gauntlet match like the 17th of this build? Yes. But the change was that it was tag team. The change was that Kofi had to watch backstage with the entire locker room and just beg and pray for the fields for it to happen. It moved me. It mattered. It's friggin' awesome. It's lazy too. Yes. But I'm going to have to choose love. I'm going to have to overlook that. I'm going to have to tell you how damn fired up I am for this overall. The legitimate, organic, babyface moments that Tuesday night's episode. And I've got people, including Jack Crosby at CBS, asking me, is that the greatest SmackDown episode ever? I'm not going in that category, all right? But it gave me the feels. That was two hours of damn fine entertainment. Not perfect. Not all the T's and I's and crossed and dotted and all that stuff. But when they pour the bucket of feels on you, you got to make a decision. I loved it. And the moment, Adam, there was a moment. There's a lot of moments, okay? There's the locker room. There's the locker room coming out to celebrate in the ring. There's Kofi coming back to celebrate with his boys. There's a lot of moments. Tell me there's a better moment, though. And maybe this is the moment that allowed me to just not complain about anything. When the Usos came out and laid down. For the brothers that they respect, their no, didn't. Brothers. I know you're. I know you're. I know you're just using the terminology, but did not lay down, which is what I was scared would happen. By the way, I wouldn't. I, they could have finger poked of doomed for all I care. It would have been that's, fine. That's what me. I was worried about. Storyline yeah. that they put that in there shows you that they do care a little bit more than we give WWE credit. That was awesome, and it came right after one of those trope like beatdowns from the bar, where you're like, okay, this is the same thing as Samoa Joe choking out Kofi in the middle of the gauntlet last week. Why are we doing this? No. They put the damn big feel spot eraser over it, and they were just like, "You're gonna enjoy this, okay? You're gonna, yeah, there's some vegetables in the lasagna, but we're gonna stuff it down your throat so hard that you're gonna enjoy this. You're gonna feel it, Adam. I felt it. Did you feel it? Or are you gonna put the black cloud on the silver lining of the cloud here, silver, silver king? So, so Raw and SmackDown this week were weird. I don't know if it's because I'm out of sorts because I'm not at home and I traveled a long, you know, way to get here, and meaning New York, not WrestleMania. Um, although it's kind of one and the same. Um. 
But Raw and SmackDown both, to me, felt like, oh, that's not very good. Well, that was really good. And I just, like, was seesawing back on both episodes in booking decisions like like Asuka and Charlotte. The match was great, but what kind of booking decision was that? And same the, the same goes for this. But I, I actually am even more positive than you were because last week, what did I tell you? Doing the gauntlet match again made sense because Kofi didn't win the last one. And it was a parallel to the thing that got him in this conversation in the first place. Well, just like last week, doing the gauntlet match again is a parallel to what Kofi Kingston did the week prior. If they did some other type of elimination match or something different, it would have felt more like the beat the clock challenge on Monday night. But ultimately, BC, it worked. The match quality was fantastic. They told a very good story with Xavier Woods and Big E. And they had the right tag teams in the match. You didn't see the Hardys in there. They were backstage cheering, you know, Kofi on. I did have an issue with Asuka cheering him on after she just lost the title. She should be sulking somewhere. She's that was weird. a good person. Get over it. Yeah. Um, and then having the Usos who have been in this muddy water between heel and face, respectful and disrespectful over the last couple of months, come out there and say, no, we're continuing the storyline that we've had with you guys, which we, what did we just say? This is going to be our final head-to-head match. We're not going to do this again. We've proven everything we've needed to prove and prove against one another. We respect you too much for, you know, and we respect Kofi too much for this to happen. I thought that was a good piece of storytelling. And then the parallel of last week where Daniel Bryan came out, the one team that was left being Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan, that made perfect sense too. I had no issue with it. I thought it was awesome. I thought the moment of them cheering with Kofi, but being too tired to lift him up, like they did the week prior, was awesome. And I thought seeing all the superstars around the ring, including Becky Lynch, a main eventer at WrestleMania, celebrating with Kofi Kingston was awesome. And perhaps best of all, last week we thought we were getting the Daniel Ryan Raw invasion, Raw takeover moment. We didn't get that, but we got a similar picture to close the show. They did a very good job building this feud. Some people think it's been overbooked. I don't. I think the Raw women's situation has been overbooked a little too much. This is perfect. They made a snap decision and, you know, Jesse James, Road Dog Jesse James, put his best foot forward in leading this creative team to getting a match that we want, that we need. Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston, WrestleMania 35. And you know what I've been saying? The roof will blow off this roofless MetLife Stadium. Yeah, that's a patented statement. Do not use that. Anal- I might use that analysis uh, this week on some radio calls to preview WrestleMania. Oh, no, I'll, just just call Shoemaker and go ahead and I'll give shout my out the, you know, Yeah, maybe I'll go on Cheap Heat and just be like, here, I got a hot take for you. I'm going to go back in here and kill SmackDown. All right, but you, you nailed it. Shout out to Brian James. Shout out to SmackDown. I want to really quickly tell you what that end sequence felt like. All the way, by the way, through Vince coming out of the limo, which I liked. I liked that he turned the corner from earlier in the episode saying he's a B-plus player to coming back around and being like, yeah, I'm impressed. When the celebration... Well, no, he said, he said no, though, his last line was, we'll see if a B-plus player can win the title. So he stuck to that. I loved the celebration involving all the other people for a reason. Let me take you back to when Adam was in diapers. 1984, brother! When you were still pooping in your diapers, dude. Hogan launched the WrestleMania era a year before WrestleMania 1, January 84, Madison Square Garden, when he beat the Iron Sheik, when he became the first person in a big moment to break free from the camel clutch. I start watching wrestling late 84, early 85. I'm a little into it. I'm in and out. Thank you to MTV and the rock and roll, uh, uh, rock and wrestling connection there. 
But the thing that they always, 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 always played and overplayed back then was what happened after Hogan won the title. In the locker room, Andre the Giant pouring the champagne over his head, all the baby faces going nuts for Hogan, and Hogan's old-ass parents even coming in and getting interviewed by Okerlund. And it was this moment that felt real, that you could feel like everyone in the locker room bought in on this guy winning and beating the bad guy. And then what we didn't know at the moment, that this guy was going to lead us to a new level, a new era of wrestling, and launched the WrestleMania era. Kofi's not going to lead us into a new era. I'm not going in that direction. I'm just saying, when all those people were celebrating backstage and you get somebody like Becky and Asuka come running out and pound the ring and celebrate, it's it was like a modern-day Andre pouring the champagne over Hogan's face and getting it in his eyes. And I felt that. I felt that connection. Wrestling felt pure again on Tuesday night. And maybe that's why I can swallow some of the bad plot holes. I'm loving Thank you, TalkBox, for summing it up for us. Wrestling is great. I was never a huge WCW fan, but wasn't there a moment like that with Sting? Or did he beat the NWO when that happened? Yeah, or? there was that moment. There was good moments like that, by the way, with Dusty Rhodes, like finally getting over Flair and the Four Horsemen and all the baby faces would come out. Yeah, but the moment you're referencing, definitely the whole locker room came out to, to help Sting finally get over the NWO. Great moment. Look, it's right. great. It's great. It feels great. It is. What, one more thing from SmackDown to get to, uh, you know, in this main event. Shane McMahon uh, goes ahead and accepts the Miz's stipulation, stipulation of false count anywhere at WrestleMania 35 for a feud that I had no anticipation for. And we knew kind of where it was headed. We did think Miz would be the heel, right? But I didn't really care. I thought two Tuesdays ago, they did a good job. I thought yesterday, they did an even better job. That was an awesome segment. Was it believable that Miz ran through eight security guards <laughs> Sanity, Shelton Benjamin, and someone else? No. Not believable at all. I don't care how furious he is. There's no reason that Sanity, despite them not being on TV, shouldn't have completely taken him out. Shane come down, gotten a couple shots, stood tall, and walked off. But it's not what happened. Miz looked awesome. We haven't seen aggress aggressive Miz in I don't even know how long. Do you agree with me? Are you excited, more excited for this match than you ever thought you would. Be. I am. I'm more excited than I should be. I love the false count anywhere stipulation because this match cannot be a Matt classic inside the ropes. It's got to be all over. You've got to set up some type of weird spot, obviously, for Shane to risk his life at age 50 or whatever and make his kids happy and maybe finally win over the love of his dad's heart in real life. Probably not going to happen. But this allows them to go all over the stadium, all over the arena, locker rooms. I hope... I almost hope that they go old school like Slammy Awards where they would have like a brawl happen backstage and throughout the night they'd bring the cameras back and update you on where the brawl is happening, right? It's kind of like Piper against uh, Goldust there at uh, WrestleMania 12. I I'd, I'd be down for something wild and wacky with this match. I think we're going to get it. And they made us care about the storyline because they brought in a family member and they've done that right. So to see Babyface Miz hulking up and firing up, I know you didn't love that he fought through 18 people, but I like that he had to keep coming from underneath to do it. There were times you're like, okay, Sandy's finally got him pinned down. No, he's rallying. He's coming back. I loved all of that. I loved Heel Shane coming out with the all those members to the point where some people jumped in with an interesting question. From at Frankie Camelot. Have we heard that name before? Yes, we have. At Frankie Camelot. Welcome back to the family. He says, Sanity as the new Mean Street Posse? Question mark. Alexander Wolf is definitely the Joey abs of the group. So funny joke there from Frankie Camelot, but I have to say in line with what he's saying right there, 
uh, the second Sanity came out with like the Cologne brother and uh, you know Shelton Benjamin, I did have that wah wah moment. Not that they had already they've already showed us that they don't care about Sanity that they shouldn't have been called up, but to see him come out in like an Ascension type situation. It sucks, man. It sucks that they really are on the bottom, that they're just a jobber tag team, that they could have been this badass faction, and there is a real reason why not everybody should go to high school, Billy, because couldn't Sanity just be still tearing it up as a dangerous heel group in NXT? Although they just gave their look to the... uh, They gave half of Sanity's look to the War Raiders and half of Sanity's look to the damn... uh, What do you call those guys? Well, Cutler and those Forgotten Sons. Oh, Forgotten Sons. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's tough with Sanity, and it really is to a larger point of tag team wrestling in WWE, and we don't have a tag team title match at WrestleMania right now, either of them. And I I do think there's direction for both, if I was, you know, projecting. Revival against Ricochet and Aleister Black, which, by the way, random and pretty damn cool that Ricochet and Aleister Black would be on a WrestleMania card. And Usos against the Hardy Boys, it seems like they were kind of going in that direction. But Brian, we're 10 days out. There's no tag team championship match on the show for either brand right now. You have Sanity looking like that. Um, You had Gallows and Anderson who have been off TV because apparently they're not going to renew their contract with WWE. So they said, screw them, opening the gauntlet and jobbing, which uh, I mean, that's fine. Um, And then you have the rest of these like random like Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev teams. On Raw, you have a bunch of random teams. AOP, one of the guys is injured. The Clones, one of the guys is injured. There's the, the tag team picture. It looked like they were starting to rebuild it entering WrestleMania season. It now kind of seems to me like they're saving it for after WrestleMania season. But it's shocking to me that right now you have SmackDown tag team champions who are not re-signed and apparently are either thinking about leaving or holding out just for a monster deal, which is their prerogative. And on the other side, you have the Revival who – it was reported they threatened to leave or they asked for their release. They say that's not true. They kind of gave more of an ultimatum. What's happening with tag team picture here? I know this isn't really the main event topic, but we're not really going to discuss it. And if there's no matches on the show uh, at WrestleMania, I feel like there's no other time. Are you with me? Is it just confusing you? It's not really confusing me because I get it. They're putting their attention in a lot different feuds and to be honest, better feuds. I still think we're going to end up seeing – uh, the NXT guys fighting the revival for the championship on this pre-show, and if that's they do that, that's fine. If they just decide to throw all four of them in the jobber battle royal instead, that's also fine. Look, uh, NXT knows what they're doing on the takeovers because they take the five matches that really matter and they give them to you and they give them time. WWE still locked in this idea that we need fourteen matches. We don't need fourteen matches. I'd much rather, and I can't. I'll, I'll give credit to David Shoemaker for originally birthing this idea many years ago on Cheap Heat. I'd much rather we do a two-night WrestleMania. I'd much rather Friday night be NXT, Saturday or, or Saturday night be NXT Takeover. Friday night be the first night of WrestleMania where we don't give you all the gold. We give you some of the other extra stuff, and then Sunday we just come with all killer, no filler. We get that show down from the nine hours it is, or seven hours down to about let's say three. And we give you the goods. Sorry, tag team picture. You didn't make the cut this year. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I guess that's fair enough. Uh, moving on, third part of our main event is kind of recapping Raw and Drew McIntyre, who for the third week in the in a row ends the show looking monstrously strong. He got the same booking as he has recently. Destroyed Roman Reigns. Destroyed Dean Ambrose. Roman Reigns, by the way, 
a great promo from him again, uh, giving like once again the two sides of the Roman. And then he didn't. I don't think he said Joe this time, but the family man and how dare you insult oh, yeah. my family and and talk crap about them. You know, Dean Ambrose coming back was interesting. It looked like they had written him off. Maybe this is the write off that he now has jobbed twice to Drew McIntyre. I don't say jobbed in a negative way. I mean lost matches. But what did you think about Drew McIntyre once again getting such major shine? I'll tell you what I think, BC. It's ruining my prediction that he's going to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. <laughs> I'll tell you what I felt in my loins. The mega powers are about to explode in my pants right now. Um, This is absolute perfection. This is the same booking as two weeks ago for McIntyre. And yet doubling down on it only made it taste even better. This is freaking amazing to the point where they may have screwed up. They may have accidentally, or actually now looking back, it's probably planned to be honest with you, because I think they're showing their hand. And what their hand shows me is WWE did not bank on Roman coming back this quick. Okay. And you called out Meltzer earlier indirectly. Are you going to call out Meltzer for trying to act publicly? Like maybe without saying it, that this Roman thing is a slight work. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't even want to get into what he wrote about that, about the medicine and all that type of crap, because it's parsing like words. It's and bad. It's just I, a bad I don't want to do, I, I don't want to do him a disservice and misstate what he was saying. But at the same time, sometimes you just need to know not to say anything. It's a bad look situa- altogether. But here's what I'm saying. a situation saying. where you just don't talk. I feel like they weren't sure, rightfully so, medically, where he was, when he was going to come back, turned out to be great that he came back quicker. But what they are giving us right now is a Reigns-McIntyre feud that does not have a title involved, and that's fine. It doesn't need one. But that is arguably the second or third best-handled feud heading into Mania because I care so friggin' much. And the reason I care is because of intensity, stiff work, great promos. This feud feels so much like NJPW in some categories because of the things that me personally, this is how I like my wrestling, to be stiff and look like a real fight and to have the trash talk sound real. This has everything I want to the point that it's overshadowing Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar for the actual Universal Championship and to the point, Adam, where I'm starting to think they're doing it on purpose because Brock's never there and this whole Seth Rollins thing is watered down even with a really good uh, performance from Paul Heyman once again this week where they're not giving us a reason to care about that at all. Just like Lesnar Ambrose at Mania a few years ago, a couple months before Lesnar had signed on to come back with UFC, we know what happened. Dean said that Brock was unwilling to do anything in that match. They mailed that in. I feel like they're on the road to mailing in this Brock Lesnar match because this Drew Roman thing is so hot and because they have invested, rightfully so, in pushing Drew to a level where he needs, needs to be contending for the big belt after Mania. I love it. Title, and you're right. The whole point of Drew winning in my prediction or my the way I would book it is he's the challenger for Seth Rollins. He's the guy. He has to be because you're not having Roman Reigns come back from beating leukemia and immediately go into a match with a destroyer who they're finally building up in Drew McIntyre and then just beating him. Because you know what it does? It actually doesn't do anything for Roman Reigns who at any point they can reinsert into a title feud or give the title and it's going to work because people are all over him. It would help Drew McIntyre to win this match. It makes him a, it, it, it makes him a made man. To use a mafia term, if he beats Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, he can lose. He can do a Samoa Joe. He can have the Intercontinental title and lose a bunch of matches, but still ultimately retain it and be totally fine because you know this guy is a legitimate threat. But if you build him this way and you just have Roman beat him at WrestleMania, even if it's an awesome match, all of a sudden you're taking this guy from 
potential main eventer to back to the mid card. And he's not a real contender for Seth Rollins' title. And because Roman Reigns isn't going to be a contender for Seth Rollins' title, at least we don't think, or maybe until SummerSlam, you need guys like Drew McIntyre to bridge that gap. I think he's doing the best work of his career right now, Drew McIntyre. And they need to continue it. And you know what? If we're going to have a Markamania or WrestleMarkia, and we're going to have Kofi win, and we're going to have Becky win, and we're going to have Seth Rollins win, you're going to need some heel victories. Drew McIntyre is the heel this is who so should crazy. win at WrestleMania. Because a couple weeks ago, you were like, Drew's going to I'm like, the God, Lord, there's no chance. Roman just came back from cancer. There's no chance Roman doesn't win at Mania. They're going to keep that record really strong. And now... Drew needs to win, and he needs to feud with with Rollins next. And he needs we need Reigns to like take a hard L at Mania, like take a such a hard L that he can't wrestle for a while. and needs to be in Rollins's corner, and then we build the Mega Powers exploding again, the, both on the screen and in my pants. The story of Roman Reigns, the way you, all right, I don't want to use the word capitalize, but the way you best utilize this real life tragic tragic you know scenario that he found himself in is you don't treat him coming back with the booking that made fans boo him when he left. And that booking was, no matter the obstacle, Roman Reigns will always beat it. No. He, he did just legitimately, whether it's beat leukemia or put it in remission, congratulations, awesome. Couldn't be happier for him. But he needs in real life to struggle to get back. The, it's all about the build and the climb. Okay, there's that song, The Climb. It's a great song because it's true, Okay. It, he has to start at the bottom, and bottoming out, rock bottom for him, is losing at WrestleMania. You then have the opportunity, whether it's six months or whether it's 12, to build this guy back into a match where he finally is able to contend for the Universal or the WWE Championship. And I actually do hope they move him to SmackDown, because that would be great to have this happen you know, on Fox, and ultimately win and get the crowning babyface cheers moment that WWE so desperately wants from Roman Reigns. It starts with a loss to Drew McIntyre. Yeah, and you can't invest that type of time and dominance in McIntyre just to waste it like you have been with Braun Strowman. All right, let's roll out of this main event. What else we got? Triple H? Triple H was back this week. Yeah, did you like the stipulation added to the match? I didn't mind it personally. It just, for me, they should have just done it when they were when he said, hey, you know, I want the, what was it, uncensored or what? what's the rules? No holds barred. And then Batista comes back. Well, if it's going to be no holds barred, I want your career on the line. That's all I needed to do. Uh, I didn't love it because it, to me, it guarantees that Trips is going to go over at Mania. Like we already we knew that, knew, though. but now it's like, why tip your hand with that? Like, I don't think putting Trips's career on the line adds anything. Do you know what's happening here? Two storylines at once. Batista beat up Trips's 70 year old best friend and Batista wants to exercise all the demons from their time in evolution and him getting screwed over the last few years and not recognized as the star that he is. That sells it enough. I wasn't mad at it. I don't need it, though. It's kind of a fail in that regard. It started so hot fire with the Ric Flair thing. You and I were totally on board. Triple H came back with that really strong promo. We loved that also. The last two weeks, it's kind of taken steps back. They need to really close strong on Monday night. I'm with you on that. All right. It's time, Adam, to roll out of here and get into uh, Hero Zero, but it's going to have to be lightning round edition. It's going to have to be quick hit. It does. Before we even get to it, though, because this isn't technically our Hero Zero question, Paul Heyman, Seth Rollins segment, Hero or Zero. Performed at a slight hero, but overall a zero because it's 11 days out from WrestleMania and you once again, for the third straight week, either don't have Brock Lesnar or have criminally underused Brock Lesnar. 
and Seth Rollins playing up the over, over, over babyface side of getting the universe on his side, even though Paul was brilliant in how he countered him, in the end, it's telling me Seth ain't going over on Sunday, April 7th. The hero of that segment was Kurt Angle, by the way. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Okay, that's the tease. BC, let's hit it. Hero or zero. BC lightning round edition indeed Finn Balor was forced to win a two-on-one handicap match on Raw against Bobby Lashley and surprise teammate Jinder Mahal to secure an intercontinental championship opportunity at WrestleMania hero or zero to whether this booking made any damn sense oh my god the fattest of zeros like are you kidding me like what where would it make any sense that he's got to come back and be in a two-on-one match and then they raise the stakes because leo rush is injured so here's jinder mahal and the singh brothers to interfere and no like you've made me care so much less. i don't at this point give me four hot minutes use this as a popcorn match before a big one and do not under any circumstances Try to cheaply pop the crowd with the demon. He's not needed. You know why he's not needed? Because Finn Balor just beat Lashley and Mahal and the Singh brothers, okay? No, stop. Get In fact, if you want to pay this match off at next week's Raw and then not have any of these people on Mania, please do it. It's a massive zero. In fact, 0.0. That's how terrible it is. What sense does it make that they started this feud the moment Bobby Lashley won the Intercontinental title. When he won the title, that made sense. It was okay. They're elevating Lashley, Balor, and you you knew in the back of your head it would be Balor who would get the opportunity because he just had the match with Lesnar, almost beat Lesnar, so it made a ton of sense that you know he would then say, oh, I almost beat Lesnar, I can definitely beat you, and work his way into it. It made no sense that they started that feud. It made no sense that they had Finn Balor win the title by pinning Leo Rush in a two-on-one handicap match at a pay-per-view. Then they have Balor lose the title, and now you have him win it back by winning another handicap match and pinning someone who is not Bobby Lashley. They started this feud four to six weeks too early. Shame on them. It would have been a great match at WrestleMania. Yes, the Demon will be there, and I'll pop for it because I love the Demon. But other than that, and, and Finn Balor win the title, and good for him. That'll be a cool moment, but that doesn't mean the booking's good. Zero. And they wasted the demon at SummerSlam, too. They just threw it out there to get the pop. I'm sick of it. I don't think that was a waste. He crushed him. That was pretty cool. Zero point zero. All right. Yeah, Hero Zero number two, uh, Saturday Night Live weekend update hosts, Colin Jost and Michael Che, returned to Raw this week via satellite to continue their feud with Braun Strowman. And what we got in the end was, I think, both anointed the other and offered them as to, to answer Strowman's challenge to enter the actual Andre the Giant Memorial Jobber Battle Royal at Mania 35. What? So hero or zero to whether I'm overly cynical or this can end up being anything but a train wreck. All right. So I like SNL. I like both of these guys as the weekend update host. I think Colin has actually done a semi-decent job being the snobby, you know, entitled type of heel in this. But Braun cannot speak on the microphone. He's not very good. And they've ruined this guy two years in a row, putting him in comedy situations at WrestleMania. 
All of that said, I like the idea of celebrities that have no business being in a match like this being in the match like this because I don't care about it otherwise. Matt Hardy winning last year with Bray Wyatt's help? Okay, shrug. What are, which, which is the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal you remember? The one where Rob Gronkowski got involved. <laughs> okay, now this, these guys aren't Rob Gronkowski. They're not going to get the same pop, but I think it's going to be fun in the moment. I think they're, you're going to have Braun chase them around the ring. You're going to have them th- throw them over the top ropes, and other wrestlers will catch them so they don't get hurt. I think it's going to be fine. I'll give it a zero because the concept is poor. Alexa Bliss is kind of carrying the entire thing, and it's celebrities just to have celebrities. So what are they really giving us? They're not big enough names for the world where they matter, and this is paling in comparison to them announcing that Joan freaking Jett is going to be doing Ronda Rousey's entrance music for the main event. That should be the celebrity that we're talking about, not these guys. So ultimately, it's a zero. Yeah, I think there's a thin line between fun and lame in pro wrestling when you try this. If I had been watching SNL during this era and been into this, I may have been into this more because Jost is insanely annoying me. Like, I want him off my screen in cringe level. But at the same time, I know that's because he's doing at least something right. So if I was a fan of him, I would probably into this. And I've got a lot of people, a lot of people DMing me and being like, oh, my God, I've never heard my wife laugh so much during Raw. Or, oh, my God, this is winning me over. Or even this. Hey, shout out to Dave Ehrenberg, one of our listeners, at Ehrenberg, A-R-O-N-B-E-R-G. He says, ABC, not sure what you thought about it, but I love the heel Colin Jost on Raw last night. Hilarious trolling of Boston fans and his Harvard joke relating to the college admission scandal was awesome. I thought Braun's reactions were perfect. I just hope they don't ruin it by having Jost or Michael Che hip toss a superstar a la Jay Leno did. And of course, he's referencing putting Hogan in an armbar back in Road Wild and WCW. He says, keep it on this comedy level and the feel spot is activated. So, Dave, you've been a long time listener of the show. I'm going to shout you out. I'm going to shout you out for having a really important job in real life, by the way. And me seeing you on SportsCenter talking about the Robert Kraft uh, happy ending situation. So don't think I didn't see that. He's the state attorney for my county, Palm Beach. Wow. In Florida. Very cool. I love a happy ending. Yes, so does uh, Robert Kraft. All right, but shout out to Dave Ehrenberg. But no, it didn't win me over. And I cannot see either of these guys do a hip toss. Remember when Snoop Dogg came on Raw and threw, uh, I don't know, Curtis Axel over the top? No, I cannot have this. Okay, but do you remember when Hugh Jackman punched, was it The Miz? I don't remember who it was, and landed a stiff blow. Look, there's a thin line between it. There really is, because if this was a different era of SNL, if this was Mike Myers and Dana Carvey or something, right, or Chris Rock and it was done a little bit better, would I have more love and, and grace for it? Probably. These ain't my guys. I'm not into it. Massive zero. That's fine. Uh, it was Dolph Ziggler, not um, whoever I said. So anyone who wants to tweet me, who corrects me every time I make a little tiny mistake, it was Dolph Ziggler, not the Miz. All right, BC. Uh, the Bella Twins have officially retired from WWE in-ring competition at age 35. Uh, hero or zero that they were deserving of an on-screen send-off or celebration of some sort. On the surface, you would say, Hero, that they should be, because they did and do play a large role on WWE and the reality show side of it and their own personal line, you know, social media exploding, and they did bridge the gap, as we've talked about in the past, between the former wrestling women's era, which included like AJ Lee and, and people before that, and the current one. And let's give Nikki credit for adjusting her style to that level. But 
you cannot announce your double retirement this close to WrestleMania and expect anything. Not that I'm saying they did expect anything. So I'm going to say no. They didn't deserve it more. And to go a little bit further, I saw somebody retweeted onto my timeline recent comments from Bree on the Bella Twins podcast, where I forgot the name of their specific podcast, but she was talking about how upset she still is that people have murdered her for the botches she had in hurting Liv Morgan and those horrifically bad suicide dives that she did that time she came back from pregnancy. But she also admitted during that rant that she, during that time, she'd only been working out like once a week and maybe didn't give it the necessary thought she was back for no it, it actually makes you look bad in the end and you hurt yeah, well, somebody and you were sloppy for multiple weeks no so this doesn't really connect with their retirement but i think overall i'm just going to give them a zero in this case i don't hate them but i do hate that yeah well hurting live i think was very much an accident and actually i think i mentioned this before but seeing her br- broken up what seemed to be legitimate on total bellas for hurting her like made me feel bad for you know criticizing as much as we did because she she obviously d- when people botch, they don't mean to do it, right? But to what you said, and she admitted on that show and maybe on this podcast, she wasn't training and wasn't practicing. So I don't give her an excuse for the suicide dives that looked awful and for her general in-ring work not looking very good. If you're going to come back, you need to come back. Nikki, when she comes back, is good. In fact, Nikki, like her match against Ronda, is one of the two or three best matches of her career, maybe the best match of her career, right? So – I don't think they did anything wrong not giving them an on-screen send-off or celebration because let's not forget this announcement decision was decided months ago. It's just we're only learning about it now because the episode of the reality show is airing from the Evolution Survivor Series time period, right? That's number one. Number two, they're not freaking retired. They're retiring so that they can do their clothing line and their wine business. Is that going to really do anything and keep them in the public spotlight the same way it is being a WWE superstar? They'll both be back before they're 40 for at least a storyline or some type of run, maybe for the women's champion tag team championships. Um, and then eventually they will retire and they'll be in the WWE Hall of Fame where they legitimately deserve to be. So it's what was the question? Were they deserving of it? Uh, no, I'll give it a zero because I don't think they're actually technically retired. And in fairness, we did have Nikki on here uh, in the past uh, defending Bree, and I thought she did a good job. I think we had Daniel Bryan defending Bree as well. I'm I'm really just upset with the I didn't train, take it seriously. Well, we saw the results, so whatever. Let's right. move on from there. Adam Hero Zero, number four, lightning round style. The Kurt Angle retirement tour brought us on paper. Wow. Monday night. A match against former TNA Impact Wrestling rival Samoa Joe. And Tuesday night, his retirement tour continued with a match against AJ Styles. Hero to zero, though, whether this tour has lived up to its potential overall since we first found out that that Angle will step aside in a final match after WrestleMania 35. So the tour has been awesome. It's a total hero. I actually wish the match against AJ Styles got another three or four minutes or five minutes before Randy Orton interfered because it was looking pretty cool and they really ended it quickly. And that was kind of annoying to me because you do want to really badly see AJ Styles against Kurt Angle, right? That's pretty damn cool. Samoa Joe showing up on Raw, this guy is impervious to losses. He can lose against anyone at any time and he's still a massive badass. It's really cool to see that. Um, but that was an awesome match. And it was it was good that Kurt Angle won that. My biggest issue with the tour is every single person he's facing, I would have preferred him to face at WrestleMania as opposed to Baron Corbin, and that includes Chad Gable. So what exactly are they doing? They're saying, hey, Kurt, your WrestleMania opponent is a piece of garbage. 
Again, to clarify, I like Baron Corbin and think he's very good. The match is garbage. Okay, not the, not the opponent. This match that we're giving you is garbage. We're going to give you all these dream matches that we probably should have spaced out over the last couple of months <laughs> in succession on Monday and Tuesday, every show until WrestleMania. The only way it rectifies is if WWE has John Cena in their back pocket, he shows up and that ends up being Kurt Angle's final match and Cena wins and retires Kurt Angle. If it's not that, it's difficult to really get behind it. But for the tour, it's a hero. All right. Uh, you're right on the scene. If they build to ruthless aggression at Mania and call out Cena and Cena doesn't have a match yet and we're really close, it'll fix all of that. I hope they go there. Right now, I got to give it a hard luck zero because Angle's 50 and he doesn't have it anymore. And that match with Samoa Joe, which could have been great because Joe had a, a good promo before and the ending was good. In between, I, I had problems with it. And I'm almost glad that they didn't stretch out that AJ match. Because I don't think AJ would have been able to get much out of him. I'm sorry, I'm just not high on in-ring angle at this moment. Great as the GM the last couple of years. I don't need this anymore. I need it to end from Adam X Parsons on Twitter. Hey, did you know this guy might be, fancies himself a comedian? I don't know if we've ever talked about that. Possibly. All right. Well, he's jumped in the DMs and said, I suppose since Vince McMahon really wants Kurt Angle to put over Baron Corbin at WrestleMania, he'll let Angle have all the real matches we the fans actually want to see, which is what you just echoed, Adam. And Adam X Parsons closes, by the way, and says, BC, congrats on the extension with CBS. Wow. Yes. He says, I'll get you two, meaning Adam and I, a delicious IPA at a Brooklyn bar after NXT TakeOver on April 5th. Wow. Adam X Parsons offering myself and Adam X Silverstein, hmm. a beer, and I didn't see anything about losing you know, vital organs in that. No, me neither. The que- you know, we should really consider going out after uh, NXT in Brooklyn. We're going to have a long day, a long night. I assume there's going to be some press afterwards like there has been. But I would, I'd go to a brewery. I'd like to go to a Brooklyn brewery. That'd be cool. Not the Brooklyn brewery, but a Brooklyn brewery. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, he nailed it, though, like you did about the the makeup is to give us all the opponents we care about. Now, Chad Gable is the only match I really cared about. But let's get out of here with Heroes Zero. I'm with you. All right, one more. Uh, Both Patriots tight end, you wrote Adam Gronkowski. I think you mean Rob Gronkowski. Wow. And former two-division UFC champion Conor McGregor announced their respective retirements this week. I mean, I guess you can call McGregor's a retirement. You'll be able to discuss that in a second. Hero or Zero, that we will see either of these two men at WrestleMania 35, or in a WWE ring before the end of 2019. I'm going to say zero on McGregor, zero that he actually retired, and now when you add in the whole sexual assault thing with the New York Times report, you're not going to see him. In, you'll see him in the UFC by the end of 2019. This is a giant power play, folks. Let's wake up to that. Gronk is interesting because I, I was surprised at how many people like jumped on this. Like, oh, Gronk retired? Definitely. Yeah, he's back. He's, he's not going to be a full-time wrestler. I do think we could see him, though, in this battle royal because of his history in there, the, helping Jinder Mahal, helping Mojo beat Jinder Mahal a couple of years ago. I do think we can see him April 7th, Sunday, MetLife Stadium in this. I don't think, though, we'll actually see him like in a program or anything for a while. Maybe, you know, I mean, like he would have to commit to this. He's banged up, right? Isn't that the reason why he's retiring? Yeah, well, he's had injuries throughout his entire career all over his body, in particular his elbow, and I think it's his forearm maybe. Um, but this is a guy who's been hurt his entire career, and, and that's why he is retiring. You would think if he's going to do wrestling or even consider it, he would get into a situation where he gets fully healthy and then does something like a Lawrence Taylor type of run. And that's kind of how I've always thought about it, which is what if they pay off this mojo angle – with Rob coming into WWE and not wrestling, but being this like motivational type of guy who who gets his head right 
and, and stops him from being crazy and they rekindle that relationship and he stands in his corner for matches and stuff. And then at SummerSlam, you have them in a tag team match against another tag team, whether it's for the titles or, or some other situation like that. That's how you use Rob Gronkowski. You don't just put this – you can't expect Gronkowski – I keep calling him the full name. I don't know why. Uh, you, you can't expect Gronk to just become a WWE superstar. I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think they can utilize him in an angle like the LT, like some of the football players they had in that football player versus – NFL versus WWF match at, you know, the date I don't. WrestleMania – Two? Oh, well, the Battle Royale in Chicago. Yeah, WrestleMania 2. Yeah. WrestleMania 2. So I, I think in a situation where it's a spot appearance, you can utilize him. Um, or, and as a sidekick, you can utilize him as a motivational friend. But I just don't think he's going to be a WWE superstar. And look at me trying to add Gronk to the Adam uh, faction that we're building here with Adam X Parsons, Adam Crawley, Adam Silverstein. Is there anybody else in that? There's a couple others. All right. What a what a. What a Jobert faction we're putting together there. Why don't we just call them the oddities, all right? All right. Hey, let's touch our field spots on the way out. What do you got, Adam? You got anything? You got anything? Yeah, mine's mine's very quick. Uh, Daniel Bryan is such a good heel, and he's so great on the mic. I think it was missed a lot of the things he said, both under his breath and even out loud during that opening segment on SmackDown, where he's kind of, you know, uh, co-opting everything that Vince is saying to Kofi. And he cut a pro- part of that promo that he cut. He refers to Vince, let these guys quit, get rid of them. We'll just replace them with fresh afternoon. Made <laughs> I laughed out loud. That is so damn funny because it's exactly what happens when wrestlers like leave WWE and go independent or like almost having like Diesel and Razor Ramon leave and go to WCW. And they were, even though they didn't change the names, they replaced them with guys that were clearly fake versions of them. If they ever, if New Day ever storyline quit and they started a group fresh afternoon, I would lose my effing crap. Awesome. All right. To close for me, uh, you say I never uh, criticized the elite or the revolution or the AEW. Being the elite has not been great. We've talked about that. I haven't loved it. It hasn't moved me. You could argue that maybe these guys have a lot going on business-wise behind the scenes and they're not putting their best foot forward. But I popped this week for the Michael Nakazawa storyline. I don't know where it's going outside of him signing with AEW, but which happened, but they're making that hilarious. They're constant. What's the way everyone's saying it, the way they're building it up? I, I can't wait for the payoff. I can't wait to where we're going with this Michael Nakazawa. I can't wait. It's fired me up. I'm here for it. Thank you, BTE. Give it to me. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. You've given it to me. I like it. All right, we got to get out of the show. We are giving the people what they want. Not only a two-plus-hour episode this week with Charlotte, Reminders, check out Tuesday's edition with Jay Lee for Joey Janela, Outback Jack Crosby, much more, and a lot more sound to come in the next week and a half from this podcast. Wow. Get fired up. Hey, let's say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Oh, that's a little rough, Randy. Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. <laughs> <laughs>